media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Oh, Paul is well this morning. Um, two years ago when Q was heading off to Kennesaw, I share this or these thoughts with him in a shorter version. And today I want to share, share these thoughts with you. I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I will be moving around a little. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's a story that we know quite well. We'll start reading in verse 8. 1 Samuel 17, we'll start reading in verse 8. And I'm reading from the New English, English translation. He stood and called to Israel's troops. Why do you come out to prepare for battle? Am I not the Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man so he may come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and strike me down, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, you will become our servants and will serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy Israel's troops this day. Give me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and the Israelites heard these words of the Philistine, they were upset and very afraid. Verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw this man, they retreated from his presence and were very afraid. Verse 45 to 47. But David replied to the Philistine, you are coming against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the corpses to the camp of the Philistine this day to the birds of the sky and the, and the wild animals of the land. Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God. And all this assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves the Lord for the, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver you into my hand. Father, arrest our soul this morning. Convict hearts. Challenge hearts. Convert someone who has never come to you as their personal Lord and Savior. And Father, in the end, you will be exalted and be glorified. In Christ's name, 
Amen. The title for us, this, what I have for us this morning is God and Guts. God and Guts. Success in our society is characterized by what I choose to refer to as the three B's. Beauty, brains, and bucks. If we are not considered to be in one of these three categories, then we are not considered to be successful in our society or by our peers. Beauty is one, is now a high standard of success in our society. Many are looked over because they don't have the high cheekbones, the hourglass figure, the perfect skin tone, the well chiseled body, and the hair that blows when in the wind. This is what the TV, social media, and other portrays what is beautiful. Brains are also a high standard of, su of success in our society today. Not only are you often measured by whether or not you even went to college, graduate school, but which one you went to, the prestige of a particular university, the degree you studied, doctor, engineer, lawyers, the sciences, etc. And how eloquent you speak. If you don't go to college and attend a trade school, our society at times looks down on such people. Bucks may even still be the highest standard of success in our society today. Money and the things money can buy, the fancy cars, the luxurious homes with a pool in the back. Designer clothes, the gourmet restaurant you can afford. The luxurious vacation that you can take. This is what our society consider as success. Many believe the biggest success one can have is the amount of money you have in your bank account. Others may even measure success if you have a stable family, have a house, both parties have a reasonable good job. You have, you, you can pay the necessary bills. You have your 2.5 kids and a dog or two. That is how the world and our society measure success. For a few moments, I, I, I want to share with you how God measures success. It is totally different from the way this world measures success. While the world often measures success by how beautiful or handsome one is, the, 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 by, the, by the superior brain power you have and how eloquent you speak, and by the big box you and, and by the big box and, the, and your bank power, I believe God's standard of success is immeasurably different at the end of the day. God, success, God measures success by only two things. Two things. One is certainly knowing God in your life, or having God in your life. And secondly, having the, the courage or the guts to do God's will. That's how God measures success. We must have God in our lives, but when push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, do we have the guts, the courage to stand up and do God's will? Listen, we cannot have one without the other. We must have God in our lives, and we must have the guts to do God's will. A closer examination of this text will first 
of all reveal three things. The first, it would first reveal that the Philistines are people with guts but no God. Secondly, it does reveal that the Israelites are people who have God but no guts. And thirdly, we are going to see rise out, rise up out of, the, of this passage in a moment, a young man whose name was David. David was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons and was from the tribe of Judah. It is said that David was an outstanding youth, red, red-haired and handsome. He was strong and courageous. He was a manly man. He was, he was a shepherd of the family and in pursuing his occupation, we're told of his physical prowess. We're told of him effectively dealing with bears and lions that sought to prey his flocks. Most scholars believe that David was about, about 16 years old when he took on Goliath. Jesse, David's father, dispatched him with provisions for his brothers who were fighting a war against the Philistines in the valley of Elah. After reaching the camp, David learned of the situation, situation and offered to challenge Goliath. Disdaining of the armor that Saul wanted to give him, David, with only a slingshot and, and, and five smooth stones, advanced to meet the giant warrior and brought him down with a well-aimed well stone. He used the giant's sword and decapitated his head in which the Israelites took heart and destroyed the Philistines. David, I believe, portrayed this principle of success, not because of beauty brains or bucks, but because he had God in his life and he had the courage, he had the guts to do God's will. He had the courage to do God's will. Brains and bucks, beauty brains and bucks are often the way the world measures success. But as we have seen from this, from the passage, God measures success as portrayed by David, knowing God and having the guts to do his will. Some men and women are overlooked for job because they do not measure up to the standard, standard of, uh, standard our society has set up. Many people are, 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 are many people suffer from so, some low self-esteem because they have not studied in someone's high halls of learning because they don't have sheepskin on their walls. They did not attend the prestigious school and they don't speak eloquently. Others may be made to feel unaccepted and appreciated because they do not they, because they do they, because they do not have runway model beauty. Folk, this is not God's measurement of success. God's measurement of success is to know God and have the guts to do His will. In the text, the Bible says in verse four that this champion Goliath, who was acting as a representative for the Philistines, came out and he approached the Israelites. He taunted them saying, send me your best man. And if your best man defeats me, then the Philistines and I will be servants unto you. But if I defeat your best man, then you and the Israelites will be servants unto us. Notice that the Philistines had guts, but no God. 
May I submit to you that there are, there are a lot of Philistines, not only in our text, but in our society today. In our country and in our world, we have those who are living a lifestyle, are living lifestyles that are in opposition to God's word. It, 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 it is pushed in our schools, promoted on our TV screen, social media, and being celebrated by Hollywood. Although we should love and have empathy for them because they are sinners and they need the grace of God, this is, is not a ble- this is this is not a blessing. God is not God is not blessing this kind of lifestyle. We have people with guts. We have people with guts to use trickery to extort people out of their life saving. But guess what? God is not a part of these schemes. We have people with guts who believe that believe the false narrative that there's no God. We are just evolved from apes. Guess what? God is not pleased with that thought process. God is not pleased with it. We have people with, 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 with guts to cheat on their taxes. They think that God is okay with it because it is the government. No. It is not, it, God is not a part of that. We have people who have guts but no God. The Philistines had guts but no God. On the other hand, on the other, other hand, just like the Philistines were in the text, in the text and in our society today, there are also Israelites in our society who have God but no guts. If we notice in verse 11, or verse 10 and 11, it says, then the, Philist, then, then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man let us, and let us fight each other. On hearing, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were what? Dismayed and terrified. Verse 24, it says, When all the men of Israel saw this, they retreated from his presence. They were afraid. Here, the Philistines were standing up to Israel. They were brave and they had guts. But notice the Israelites. They were timid and afraid. I believe Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. It took a lot of guts for Goliath to come and taunt the army of God. And as such, the text reveal, reveals that, 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 Isra- that the Israelites had God, but no gods. The Israelites were God's chosen, chosen generation. They were God's prized possession. They were, they, they were God's children. They walked with God. They had a history with God. It is the same group of people that God caused manna to rain down from heaven. They were delivered from the plagues in Egypt. They were led by, the, by, by God across the Red Sea. God had done things for Israel. They were they, they, where, where Israel had, where Israel should have should have seen and assured of the power of Almighty God. But guess what? They had God, but they did not have any gods. May I suggest to us, to you, just as the Philistines were, just as the Philistine have. Philistine in our, that's why we have Philistines in our society today who have guts but no God. We have Israelites in our society, or may I go a step further? We have Israelites in our churches who have God 
but no guts to do God's will. There are a lot of us as Christians. We have God in our lives, but we do not have the guts to do God's will. Yes, we have God in our lives, but instead of looking to God to help us with our problems, we're looking at the size of the problems in the problems instead of standing with God to maneuver us through the problems. We are looking at the giant of the problem instead of looking at the giant of a God we serve. As soon as someone is sick or as soon as, as death is in the family or, 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 or someone is diagnosed with some deadly form of illness, sickness, as soon as some terrible situation, situation reaches our shores, we give up on God. We stop and, forgo- and forget where we came from and what he has brought us through. We forget that God is the God of the mountain as well as the God of the valley. We become afraid, despondent, and sad. Yes, we know God, but we do not have the guts to stand up by faith and trust in the God who is in total control of all things. Cornerstone, we need to stand on our marriages. If the Christian community does not stand on marriage, that God created this union between two men. Uh, sorry. <laughs> ah, that, that was a joke. <laughs> that God. <laughs> that, that was a joke. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not sleeping. Right, good, good. Between a man and a woman. The Bible, the Bible in Genesis 2.24 says, Then the Lord made a man from the rib. A God, sorry, made a woman from the rib. And he's and, and, from the rib, he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. It went on to say, "A man shall leave his father and mother and unite with his wife." Listen, marriage is God's invention. It is not man's idea or man's invention. God is the one who sets the terms and condition for marriage. Two. Two things here from our text. One, wife is singular. And two, wife is a female. One of the reasons reasons God created marriage was for procreation. Once we have a different definition for marriage, that marriage is between two men or two women, we're setting in motion the destruction of the family unit. There can be no procreation between the same sex. I am not a doctor. But common sense, science, and God's word tells, tells me it cannot happen. I hope we have the guts, the spiritual fortitude to stand up for God in the arena where God places us and declared without fear or prejudice that marriage is between a man and a woman. Do we have the guts to stand up in the arena where we are? And declare that marriage is between a man and a woman. Little over a year ago, the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and sent abortion back to the states. People are upset and mad because abortion right is not a federal law anymore. We also find Christians who do not hold to the view that life begins at conception 
and are upset with the Supreme Court's decision. Cornerstone, we must stand up for life. It does not matter the political pressure or the peer pressure we will face. Success in God's eyes. We must know God and have the guts to do His will. I strongly believe that the Bible teaches that life begins at conception. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you into my mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart. If Psalm 139 verse 13 says, Certainly you have made my mind, certainly you made my mind and heart. You wove me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw me when I was an unborn fetus. All the days, all the days ordained for me were recorded in the scroll before one of them came into existence. It does not matter. They push back. You may get from your friends, relatives, and co-workers. Successes to know God and to have the guts to stand up for the life of the unborn child. Gender identity. Gender identity has become a lightning rod in our society. It is politically incorrect to speak out against gender identity. We cannot give a word for God anymore. We cannot stand up anywhere and declare, thus says the Lord. If we stand up for God and say that there are only two genders, male and female, we're called transphobic. If we, if we, if we, if we stand up in the public square and give a biblical view that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, we'll be cancelled in our society. If we disagree with those who believe we have hundreds, hundreds different genders, cisgender, binary gender, non-binary gender, pansexual, queer, and a range of different so-called agendas, then we're transphobic. We must be inclusive, they say, and we are. We are inclusive. The gospel is what changes hearts and lives. The gospel is inclusive to anyone who comes to genuine faith in Christ Jesus. It does not matter your sexual gender or your sexual orientation. Christ died for all our sins according to the scripture. That you are, you are buried with him according to the scripture. And that you are raised with him according to the scripture. And if you accept him, accept him in genuine faith, it does not matter if you are queer, pan, trans, binary, non-binary gender. Done by a gentleman, he will save you and through the work of sanctification, he will change your heart. He will change your heart. This is the inclusivity of the Bible, folk. We as Christians will not be inclusive just to be inclusive. We will not. The Bible tells us in, in Genesis that God created them male and female. He created man from the soil of the ground after which he placed man into a deep sleep and took one of his ribs and created woman. He did not create transgender, cisgender, a binary gender, pansexual gender, a queer gender, a non-binary gender. God created two genders, male and female, and that's it. That's it. We love people because of the gospel and wanting them to come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. However, to be successful by God's standard, know God and have the guts to do His will. 
And please hear me clearly. Please hear me. I'm not saying we should go out and preach a gospel, and a hate gospel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're in the public square, and, we, and, it, and it comes up there, we have to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we stand up for it. I'm not saying we should go out and pre- we preach Christ and Him crucified. That's it, folks. And allow God the Holy Spirit to do the work in the life of the individual. That's what we do. There are a lot of Israelites or God's children today who, today who have God, but lack the courage to really take a stand in the public square, in the marketplace, in higher education, in the business communities to stand, to stand up for Jesus Christ. Just as we have Philistines today, we also have Israelites even in our church. The Philistines had guts but no God. The Israelites had God but no guts. But David, this 16-year-old shepherd boy, was a success in life. Not according to the world's standard of success, but according to God's standard of success. Yes, he had God in his life. He was an Israelite. But also he had the guts, the courage, to stand up when his three brothers, Saul, and the Israelites' Israelites army were timid and afraid. I believe we know the story very well. David was asked to check on his brothers by his father and to bring them some provisions because they were fighting in a war. war. I I love verse 26 when David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defied the armies of the living God? David asks the men standing nearby, what would be done for the man who killed this Philistine and removed this disgrace from Israel? Notice how David addressed Goliath. This uncircumcised Philistines, Philistine. David recognized that Goliath was not a Hebrew. He was not from the tribe of Judah. He was not part of the covenant people of God. He, 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 and, 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 and he was not, he was not part of the lineage of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was not a Jew. God's chosen generation, David was saying, you're not part of us. Not only is he an uncircumcised Philistine, but who is this person that he would defy the armies of the living God? What David was saying, was saying, listen Goliath, your God is dead. Your God is, ma- your God is made from bricks, stones, and hands. My God is not dead, he's alive. He, I, I have seen, I have seen his mighty works. He has delivered me from lions, bears. My, my God is not, de- is not made from bricks, stones, and hands. Actually, my God is the one who created these things. He spoke and the stars, the moon, the sun came into being. God spoke and the land produced vegetation, plants and trees. God God created the birds of the air, the, the fish of the sea, the animals of the land. God breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve. Goliath, my God is not dead, he's alive and he lives forevermore. 
We are mortified because we think God is not working things according to our plan. We question God. We think God is indifferent. God, you're, you're, God, you're, you are, God, are you alive? Are, are, are you dead? Are you asleep? Listen. Our God is alive and well. Ancient history testify that he is alive. The early church fathers proclaim his resurrection. Archaeological evidences testified that, that my Jesus is alive and well. The disciples declared that Jesus is alive. Over 40 years ago, I placed my trust in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I know that he's alive. I know he's alive, folks. Our God is not dead. He's alive. That's what David was saying to Goliath. Your God is dead. My God is, is alive. My God is alive. Our God is alive, folk. David knew who he was dealing with. The physical structure of the giant did not matter to David because he had seen how God had worked in the past. Goliath did not have the same backing like David did. David knew he did not, it did not matter how big or bad or how much artillery, artillery Goliath had. He had a God who was bigger and greater than the artillery Goliath had. David knew the God of Israel. Allow me to share three principles from the text that often inspired me and I hope will inspire you also. I believe that with God and guts, this simple formula should drive us every day. I believe the first thing that we can have confidence in is with God and guts, we can stand against giants. With God and guts, we can stand against giants. We're told that, Dave, that, the, that, that Goliath was about seven feet tall or even taller. He had so much artillery that other folk had to help him to carry how carries artillery. However, the texts argue that David was willing to stand up to Goliath no matter how big he was. What are you facing in your life? What are the big issues that are taking a toll on you? Maybe you don't have the resources to, pro to provide for your family. Maybe a boss tries to mistreat and undermine you. Maybe you have, you have, some, is you have some family issues that seem huge and enormous and that you are not able to handle. May I encourage you? Listen to David in verses 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37. The Lord who rescued me 
from the paw of the lion and the, and the from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hands of the Philistines. What is the giant you're facing? What is the giant in your life? What are the struggles you're going through to be successful in these challenges? Know God and have the guts to face the difficulties you are going through. The Lord who rescued David from the hands of the lion, lion, lion and the bear will rescue you from the giant that is in your life. I am not here to tell you that the giants will quickly disappear. I don't know what giants you are facing. You don't know what my giants are. But I do know this. If you are walking with God, and because you are walking with God, you have some giants in your life. I'm here to remind you that you are able to stand against those giants, even when you're in the midst of these struggles, because you have God in your life and you have the guts to stand up and fight. You have the guts to stand up and fight. Not only can we stand against giants in our lives, but secondly, I believe we can also use what we have in our hands to do God's will. Little is much when God is in it. Fight God's ba battle with God's weapon or weapons. Saul tried to put an entire armor on David. David said in verses 39 and 40, I cannot go in, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used, I'm not used to them. So took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones, and from the stream put, put them in, 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 in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistines. The armor was too heavy. David could not walk in it. Listen, do not fight God's battle with Saul's armor. Do not fight God, God's battle with Saul's armor. David was willing to fight God's battle with five smooth stone and a sling in his hand. As Christians at times, we seek to rely on flesh and upon the strength of the human nature when we fight the Lord's battles. The Lord's battle is not fought with humans, human weapons that are strong and powerful. The Lord's battles are fought by the Holy Spirit. The Lord's battles are fought by sound biblical doctrines. The Lord's battles are fought on our knees. We are not, we are not, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 12 tells us. But we are fighting against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark, of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We fight with God's, God's weapons. That is how we fight the Lord's battles. I'm here to let you know that whatever you have in your hands, use it. Use it to fight God, God's battles. I know I'm right because Moses 
had a staff in his hand. Moses had a staff in his hand and God used it to part the Red Sea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had faith in God in their hands and their faith was put to the test and they, and they declared in, in Daniel, in Daniel 3 verse, verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that have erected. Joseph used his position to help deliver his five and his evil brothers from the famine they were facing. Joseph said in Genesis 50 verse 20, what you intended for evil, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it is your connections. Maybe it is your education. Maybe it's your being an electrician, a, 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 a contractor, a, a plumber, a mechanic, a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, a school teacher. What do you have in your hands? Use what you have in your hands to bring people to the kingdom of God. You never, you may never be tall, dark, and handsome. You are, 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 are with a long flowing hair and with high cheek, high, high cheekbones. You may never attend Princeton, Harvard, Yale. You may not have beauty brain, brains or box. But you are successful because you know God and you have the guts, the courage to do God's will. God just wants to use what you have in your hands for his glory. Finally, not only can we stand, can we take a stand, not only can we use what, what we have in our hands, but thirdly, we can rely on God to fight our battles. We can rely on God to fight our battles. Listen, the conversation between David and Goliath. Meanwhile, the Philistines, in verse, from verse 40, 41 to 47. Meanwhile, the Philistines, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked, David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, growing with health and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the, the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is 
not by sword or spear, that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into my hands. Notice, notice the personal pronouns Goliath used throughout the text. In verse 9 he said, but I will prevail against him. Verse 10, I defy Israel's troops this day. And the verses we just read, I will, I will, I will do all of these things. Goliath, as most people do, only rely on their own strength and their own humanity and their own wisdom and knowledge. On the other hand, David's reliance was on Jehovah God, the covenant-keeping God, the mighty God, the all-powerful God. David's reliance or David's reliance on fighting his battle was not on self, but was on God. In verse 45, David said to the Philistines, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David relied on God to fight his battle. This is the formula for victory, folk. This is the formula for victory. That doesn't mean we won't have challenges. But this is the formula for victory. I don't know what your battle, battles, what battle you're, 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 you're up against. But I'm here to tell you today. You can rely on God to fight whatever battle you're in. The victory that David had was a surprising and supernatural victory. Which God gave, which God himself gave. Because in spite of the size of Goliath, in spite of the terror of the Philistine, in spite of the fact that he had sword, he had a sword and, and, and spear, David, this little shepherd boy, with nothing more than a slingshot and five smooth stones, was able to overcome the giant Goliath through the enabling power of God. He was able to overcome this giant with the enabling power of God because he allowed God to fight his battle. Cornerstone, allow God to use what you have to give you the enabling power for victory. It does not matter how big the giant is. It does not matter what the circumstances are. Go to God with your five stone and your slingshot and call upon him to give you the victory. Allow God to fight your battles. The keys to success, my friend, is to have God in your life. But not just that, but also <clears throat> to have the guts, the courage to do God's will. If we were to measure many of our ancestors, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we would say they weren't successful. If we were to measure many of the people in scriptures by, the, by, the, by today's standard, we would all have to leave here concluding that they were failures. In fact, if we just took Jesus himself, there are no textual evidences that would argue that he was that 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 he was what we would call handsome today in fact isaiah 53 verse 2 we are told he had no beauty no majesty 
to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that would that we should desire of him. Not only were there any evidences of him fitting into the image of what we call handsome, but there are no textual evidences that he studied in anyone's higher halls of learning. Jerusalem University, Bethlehem Technical University, or even Nazareth Community College. No sheepskin on the wall. And I know he didn't have any books because Matthew 8 verse 20 said, the foxes had holes, the birds of the air had nests, but the Son of Man had no place to place his head. But we know he is God because Jesus said in John 14 verse 9, if we see him, we have seen the Father. In John 10 verse 30 it said, and I, I and the Father are one. And we know he had guts. We know he had guts because we saw him chasing the money changers out the temple. We saw him saying, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. We saw him marching down the road called Golgotha. We saw him put the old rugged cross on his shoulder. And we saw him absorb the shame, the scorn, and the mockery. We saw him whipped and lashed as he carried the cross to the place he was crucified. We saw him with nails in his hands and his feet. We saw him with a crown of thorn placed on his head and blood came what? Gushing out. We saw him allowing men to hang him high and stretch him wide. We saw him saying, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We saw him having the courage to go to Calvary. The Hebrew writer said in, in, in Hebrews 12 verse 2, For the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. We saw him for. He had God because he's God. And he had the guts because he had the courage to do what the Father had sent him to do. We saw him for. He's our example. He's our example. At the end of the day, when we feel our sense of self-worth challenge, because we don't measure up according to the standard of our society, just remember, God measures success by having God in our lives and having the courage, the guts to do his will. I believe with God and guts, and these three principles, God will consider us successful. With God and guts, we can stand against the giant, giants in our lives. With God and guts, we can use what we have in our hands to fight and fight his battle and do his will. With God and guts, we can rely on God to fight our battles. Folk, we can be encouraged. We have God in our lives. We have God in our lives. And we should have the guts to do his will. I sincerely hope as we close, as we will leave here having the desire to know God, not, but not only to know him, but to have the guts to do his will. Father, thank you for who you are.
Thank you for your challenges. Thank you for your word. Father, speak to our hearts. We pray that we might surrender our being to him and be willing and be ready to know him, but not only to know you, Lord, but to have the guts to stand up and do your will. Thank you, Lord, that you're in this with us. You're fighting our battles on our behalf. So, Father, help us to have hope. Help us to depend on you. Father, pray that you might come to lead and guide us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.